makes a mistake. All right, we uh got a little bit of a sound change. Yeah, a little bit of a sound change. I hope it sounds better. I mean, honestly, uh, we were debating a lot of after like how many how many sound issues did we have? Loads of sound issues, and I don't see on any of these mics anywhere that adjusts the wobble. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. None of them like straight no up. reverb. Yeah, yeah. There's no echo. So. So that's, a, uh, that's a that's a plus it is indeed um, because that was our number one issue was yeah, that's uh, happened more than once <laughs> anytime the kids found the mic it was oh this is a fun button and of course the first time it took us several episodes we actually still need to redo some of those episodes yeah. but uh that was noticeably a problem the only there. issue that i can think about uh with this uh really nice system is we went from one bad iffy knobbly wobbly to about 50. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what I, what I have learned over like years of playing with sound equipment is once you get it tuned, you leave it, just leave it, just leave it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't mess with it. Uh, And I'm very fortunate. The guys at Rockville who set us up with a shout out to those guys. Yes, Um, indeed. Got a great price on this stuff and they, the guy that uh, runs their technical support division after we set it all up, he was like, Hey, if you ever need any help on this, just call. Yeah. He was like, as far as I'm concerned, you bought our product and you've got 24 seven help. If you need adjusting something, he was like, you call, if we have to video chat you, Hey, we'll do it. I'm like, Oh, you, you've sold me now. I don't have to, because I mean, Let's face it. Technology has kind of passed me. I used to be a whiz with it. And then there was this four year period where I just walked away from technology because I didn't have a computer, anything. Uh, this was like circa 14 to, to 17, really well, like a three year period, you know, no yeah. computer. And then I bought a computer in 18 and it was just like, whoa. Yeah. Well, things have changed. Yeah. So if you hear us, um, you know, uh, sound a little different like you know boy he didn't used to talk like that before it's probably because we actually can hear ourselves now and uh if there's anybody that likes to hear themselves less than me i would like to meet them and shake their hand I yeah feel their I, pain. I don't like hearing myself talk but like with uh I, i've actually grown to enjoy it as my you know vocal cords are still adjusting <clears> from like all well that. you have that benefit huh I, I I didn't have throat issues, and so I, can't. I, I know. I know. So you, well, see, I always I'm always, not the superhero radio star yet. I used to hate that because I recorded like me and Shay, or Shay and I mm. recorded uh, several uh, songs uh, years ago, yeah. and I like I wouldn't I would make Shay listen to them to see if they sounded good. Yeah. Like, hey, do they sound good to you? And he'd say, yeah or no. Because it was cringeworthy. Every time I like listen to myself talk, it was it was not worth me listening to it. Yeah. And singing voice is generally pretty good, but when you when you actually hear your talking voice, it's like, ah, oh, who's yeah. that guy? Well, even my singing voice, I've never, I've never like admired. However, as I've gotten older, I discovered something very interesting about my voice. It has kind of morphed. It morphed, you know. Once when I was in my, you know, late teens, early twenties, I, I saw a little morph in my voice, and I I liked the little change and as i've gotten older again i've had this secondary morph in my voice Mm -hmm. and i didn't notice that it had morphed so much but when uh shay was getting married dad said hey you know bring your guitar 
uh, we're going to have a jam session before, uh, you know, on the night before Shay's wedding. And uh, I said, okay, I'll bring my guitar. I'm telling you what, it was everything I could do to pack that guitar in the little spark I drove mm. up there. <laughs> uh, the girl I was with at the time, I was like, I don't care how we get it in, but it can't break. And it's going. <laughs> and it's going. Yes. I was like, I will sacrifice something I want to take with me to take this. And I did, and it was that night that I discovered when Dad and I were singing, I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound just like my dad when I sing. Yeah, That was the most, for years I've said, I'm not, I'm going to sound different than Dad when I sing, you know? And as Dad and I were singing, I was like, nope. Shay looked over at me at one point and went, looked at Dad and went, I can't tell which one of you singing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. that right there was enough for me to go. That's interesting. I sound like my old man. Apple don't fall far from the tree. <laughs> I guess I just took years to get there. So, topic for today. Yes. What is our topic for today? Well, to enlighten us. Initially, we're going to go through some more of Martin Luther because I'm sorry. I love Martin Luther. As do I. Martin There's... Luther is uh, he's one of my religious heroes. I love how when I set a cup down. Okay, so you know we we've got every every sound effect quote unquote that we we can do now. It's all we can. It's going to come out really strongly. Okay, so first off, for the Texans' take, we click. Oh, that's actually that a little sharp. So much wow, that's good. Wow. And then let's say we wanted to flip some pages. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. And then most importantly, hold on. This is beautiful. <laughs> My only decanter that does that. Can even hear the bubbles crack. <laughs> that, was, that was good. And then hold on a second. <laughs> well here indulge me a little bit the sound here. of satisfaction i know it's even from a distance you can kind of hear it. i hope y'all can hear that uh i know our our uh our headphones are turned up just a little bit so we can actually hear when we're making quote-unquote mistakes because <laughs> uh, i notice like if i stand really far away it sounds like i'm way in the distance and yeah. That is ideally not the sound you want. So yes. let me pull this up because we were doing like multiple sound tests. Yeah, this sounds kind of like a, you know, uh, a test episode. You guys are our guinea pigs because <laughs> uh, this is the one where we have all of our new sound equipment. So, I wonder if sand falling through a hourglass sounds like anything uh, you can hear that no because it's a it's above that sound range yep that's a no it'd be interesting though so do you want to pull up the 95 theses and look uh, look through a couple that that strike you yeah let's do that but uh um let's go ahead and conclude our intro and ladies and gentlemen we will be right, right back, back.
All right, we are back. Yes, indeed, we are back. All right, so uh, our topic for today is the angel of the Lord. And the question is, who is the angel of the Lord? Exactly. So uh, we're using Christianity.com. It's been a very useful thing for us in the past. And we're going to use it today. You used it for... uh... What was it uh, that you used it for before? Well, I want to say I used it for stuff on Martin Luther, stuff on John Calvin. Yeah, but there's one specifically I remember. I don't know if it was. Uh, maybe it was Calvin. That, it might have been. I, might have been. I remember that you brought it up and you're like, ah, oh no, it was uh, a relationships. Was it? Uh, it was something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can't remember something the exact. Like yeah. It was one of our relationship podcasts and that was... I remember. I just remember when you said, uh, "Hey, look this up." I was like, "Ah, I recognize that." Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, indeed. What it was it? Because you remember? Do you remember exactly what episode? No, I can probably figure it out just by looking through my browser history. But oh wait, yes, yes, I probably could. Um, because now I'm curious. I remember that you looked it up exactly for. You know, quote unquote, a specific topic. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> see if we can searchy search. And Christianity.com. Because now I'm just curious, not to put a total pause on everything, but it's like, mm-hmm, I remember it. Okay, we did. Um... Oh, that's Christianity Stack Exchange. Uh, this one is Mark 10 commentary. Let's see. In this chapter, we have I Christ dispute the Pharisees coming. Okay. Uh, what was I looking at specifically here? Little children. Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's um, Mark 10 commentary, and I, I'm not sure. Well, regardless, we, we've exactly used it for a few of them. It, it, it might be, this might be where I did some. Maybe we did some of the about, accountability like, partners. Maybe it was accountability. It might have been like the, uh, um, uh, you know, being salty as Christians. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe okay. Something like that. I think that's in here somewhere. But uh, anyway, 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 uh, that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about who is the angel of the Lord. And we give absolute full credit for every resource that we're using here to Christianity.com. Well, not not every resource. Well, not every resource. We'll probably use a blue letter to look up. Some I was of about these. to say I've looked up Sarah. Well, I yeah. have like blue letter on standby. But this has a this has a really good um, lots of good sections and stuff here. Uh, so anyway, um, I'm just going to start at the beginning here and um, give us a, a, a general idea of who the spirit, uh, pardon, the angel of the Lord is in the Bible. The angel of the Lord first shows up in scripture in Genesis 16, where Hagar, Sarai's servant, has fled in response to Sarai's harshness and cruelty following being driven uh Following being driven away by Sarai, Hagar finds himself, herself by a spring of water in the wilderness where the Bible says, 
the angel of the Lord found her. And the reference there is Genesis 16, 7. The conversation which follows is radically revealing as the angel of the Lord questions, commands, promises, and foretells Hagar's future in such a way that his identity comes into focus. This particular account concludes with Hagar's response to the angel of the Lord, where we are told, she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Genesis 16, 13. Though we are told that this is the angel of the Lord who sees and speaks to Hagar by the water, when she speaks and identifies the angels, she calls him the Lord, thereby acknowledging that the angel is, in fact, the Lord himself. She does not address him as an angel but all uh, at all, but rather as the God of seeing, Genesis 16, 13. Uh, would you look that up, Genesis 16.13? Yeah, for sure. Hold on. What might seem mysterious to us at first doesn't seem to have been a mystery to Hagar at all. Instead, Hagar is so confident that she has heard from God that she is willing to risk whatever the potential fallout might be to return to Abram and Sarai. The angel of the Lord is obviously no ordinary angel if there is such a thing. Angels are described as messengers sent by God who do his bidding on his behalf. But the angel of the Lord clearly does not speak as a mere representative of God, but as God himself. And see, that's what I've heard a lot of commentaries talk about, where it could be the spirit of the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, right. Some people say it's even like Michael coming down, doing God's bidding. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, since you see the angel of the Lord primarily in... The Old Testament, a lot of um, a lot of scholars that I've read have said that they also think that it could, you know, technically be maybe um, like pre-Jesus, Jesus. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But uh, uh, you have uh, sixteen thirteen is uh, let's see thirteen is she gave she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees, for she said. I, I have now seen that the one who has seized me that is well and was called Beer Laheroy. I'm nice. going to pretend like I just said that right. <laughs> and I know I didn't. Uh, it is still there between Kedash and Bered. So she's talking about a place here. So to go back, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Where she said, I have now seen the one who sees me blank at the place. And that's what she's saying. Okay. So I don't know if that helps or not, but yeah, it gives a little bit more. So this messenger. Um, so again, at this point right here in our understanding of who the spirit of the Lord is, uh, we're not really sure if what we're hearing is the Lord or a messenger from the Lord. Um, right. But what is important to remember here is that there should not be a distinction. Right. Because uh, it's just like uh, Jesus said, and I forget where it is exactly. Uh, maybe we can find that in a bit. Um, but what he says is, um, you know, paraphrasing, really paraphrasing here, 
Um, but he who receives me receives the Lord, right. and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me, or something like that. All right. Um, that, that that wasn't an Olympic jump. You did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, what he's saying is, um, when when any messenger from the Lord talks, that is the Lord talking. And if you take whatever the messenger says and kill the messenger because of what he said, you are in effigy killing the Lord. You are showing hate. You are showing disdain. You're showing anger. You're showing apartness from the one that sent him. And Jesus gives a, uh, a really good example. Um, uh, I forget where it is exactly. I'm, I'm, I need to work on where things are in the Bible, but in general. I've always, um, I've always struggled with that. It's like, uh, I know it's there. And if you give me a couple minutes, I'll find it. But, right, right. But I, off the, off the you know, what, tip. What I like to remember hmm. is that, you know, you've got pastors all over the places, you know, Isaiah 20, 35, you know, this, that, and the other, you know. Uh, Jesus never said that. He just said, it is written. It is written. And I'm like, aha, well, that's all I have to say then. It is written. <laughs> um, but people like to go, okay, where is it written? I'm like, okay, well, yeah, where exactly? Bible, you know? um, and so anyway. Uh, but it's the parable of the uh, the vineyard and the husbandman. Right, right, right. Like the 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 wine and well, well. It's, um, it, it's not the wine at the wedding. It's the it's the, not the wine at the wedding. It's the man that comes and he's giving the like. Right, the, right. Okay. So you've got a man who owns a vineyard, and he has men that are working on the vineyard, uh, gathering his grapes and tending the land and all that. And um, the owner of the vineyard uh, tells the people running the vineyards, uh, um, you know, you need to do this, that, and the other. And they're like, nah, well, we're not going to do that. And he says, okay, uh, well, you are going to do that. Now, he doesn't tell them exactly. What he does is he right. sends messengers. He sends a messenger to them and says, hey, the owner of the vineyard says you guys need to do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, ah, Back with them, you know, get rid of the messenger. So they get rid of the messenger. Well, the owner of the vineyard is like, okay, well, that's not cool. Let's send another messenger. This time I'll tell him the same thing. And they say, wow, to heck with the owner, you know, get rid of the messenger. And so they do. Well, what does the owner of the vineyard say? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. Can y'all see foreshadowing here? Mm -hmm. Or shadowing, really. Not foreshadowing. This is shadowing right on because it's Jesus telling the story. Um, but anyway, he says, I'll send my son. When I send my son, maybe they'll listen to him, you know. Maybe he holds a little bit more gravity. And so he sends his son. And they say, oh, look at that guy there. Yeah, that's the son of the owner now, isn't it? Let's kill him. And so they do. <clears throat> and so uh, basically the owner of the vineyard is like, okay, well, and I think he gets rid of all the people working on the vineyard because obviously they're no good. But Jesus is basically saying what you do and say to the messenger, how you treat the messenger is a direct reflection. In fact, it's not even a reflection. You are 
in effigy doing the same thing to the owner or the sender of the message. And so um, that's why it's kind of like the the same, you know, the same, I guess, aspect in a different sense. You know, you disrespect my wife, you disrespect me. Right, right, right. If you disrespect the leader of the house, right. If you disrespect somebody who speaks for me, they represent me. Me. I can't be there. I'm not going to be there for whatever reason, you know, Um, but whoever I sent is me they speak for me. they speak on my behalf exactly right and so that's why you know generally when you when you uh have uh you know people from if there's some sort of uh large political gathering or if you're sending a messenger to uh go tell king bozo of uh, la la land you know that you know um like, hey, shape up or we're going to go to war with you. And uh, Now's your time. Right. So you send a messenger and he's just like, you know. Isn't that ah, kind of like well. the messenger that went to Saul? Yeah, know? maybe so. And he's just, you know, ah, let's just kill the messenger, you know. So they do that, you know. And well, whoever sent the messenger is like, oh, they basically just killed me. Right. Let's go attack him. You know, that's basically exactly, you know, uh, what's going on. And so. Uh, it's important to remember that whenever God sends a messenger, that messenger speaks for God. Think about uh, Abraham. So remember, Abraham was like, I don't talk very good. No, that was uh, Moses. Moses, thank you. Forgive me. Forgive me. It was Moses. Yes, 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 yes. It was Moses. Yeah, and Moses yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, man, 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 you know, I don't talk very good. Got about. the porky pig thing. Right, 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 right. No, it's not me. And God's like, uh, well, you are my pick. So. You have a point, I suppose. I don't really care for your point much, but you do. And so your brother Aaron, your brother Aaron is going to be your voice. Okay. And you will tell Aaron exactly what to say, and you will talk for me. It right. will be as if I am talking to, to Aaron. You. Or, yeah. Right. To you, through yeah. Aaron. You know? And so, um, you know, uh, that's the exact same thing that we see here. Moses is the God's representative. Right. And so... Uh, Aaron is to treat Moses, treat what Moses is saying as if he heard it from the lips of the almighty God. Right. And so, uh, that's, that's the idea here of a, a messenger. And so, uh, you know, when we, when we read the Bible, hold on sound effects here. When we read the Bible, (laughs) um, there's a lot of books in there. There's a lot of books in the Bible. And uh, whenever book we read, it was written by some man. Right. And But from God. But from God, exactly. Right. So when we read this Bible, we don't say, well, this is the voice of Paul here. This is the voice of Matthew here. You know, we know that it's from their perspective. But what's really important to remember is that God wrote it through them. Okay. Uh, it's just it's like, like for a greater purpose. Right, right, right. And so it's just like a pen, right? You've got a ballpoint pen. 
You have pencil. <laughs> My pens have never wrote anything without me doing it. Right. You've got like a pencil, a uh, mechanical pencil, piece of charcoal. Uh, you got a pink. You've got a pink pen. You got a green pen. You have a fountain pen. Lots of different types of pen. Writing utensils. But the messages conveyed are all the same thing. Okay. And so you can... And that, they're never from the pen. Right. They're never from the pen. Somebody is using the pen. And so think of these different, these different, um, these different men, these different viewpoints, these different uh, writers of God's scripture. They're all God writing the scripture, but God is using them as the pen. Right. As his writing implement. And so uh, that's why there's a lot of different variations in here, which is really nice because it kind of adds credibility to God's word. Um, but when we read Matthew, we read something in here, and Matthew says this, that, and the other, da, 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 da. And we don't say, I mean, we say Matthew said it right, but we don't say that Matthew said it. We said that in the book of Matthew, it says, right? right? And, the and reason, it's implied right there that God said it exactly, via Matthew. Exactly. Right. And so all of these people, all of these books were written by messengers of God, which is why we can read the whole Bible and say this is the, the word, word of, God. of God, the living word of God. Yeah, I like that term just to, to break away. I like that term a little more specifically because there's not a time where I've like read the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. And understood the same thing twice. I always understand a little bit more. Yeah, I can read the same verse, and I've I've done that well in the time we've been on the podcast. You know, I've read the same verse. I've read through the Bible several times, but as we read through it again, I'm like, wait, oh, I did not get that before. Right, that's new. It's not like the words changed and they like magically said something. They said the same thing, but at this very time. We had something very specific that it, you know, echoed for us. Yeah. And so anyway, that's what we see going on here um, in Genesis with Hagar. Uh, The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is possibly an angel talking. It's possibly God talking. But whatever it is, it is God talk. Well, what I say is it could be coming from God lips precisely or from an angel's lips precisely but regardless it's both coming from god right um and so okay let's read a little bit further here uh let's see the angel of the lord is obviously no ordinary angel if there is such a thing angels are described as messengers sent by god who do his bidding on his behalf but the angel of the lord clearly does not speak as a mere representative of god but as god himself Despite the reality that we live in, a, cur- a sin-cursed, fallen world that has in every sense been separated from its creator, there are special occasions in which heaven and earth meet once again for a brief moment. The presence of the angel of the Lord seems to represent a glimpse at the restored heaven and earth when all things are made new and man once again stands in God's presence. Another biblical example shines even greater light on the identity of the angel of the Lord, quite literally in the account of the burning bush. While Moses was keeping watch over Jethro's sheep, the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, Exodus 3, 2. 
As the story continues, we discover that when Moses turned aside to investigate the burning bush, the Lord saw him and called out to Moses. But when the one speaking from the bush is identified, we find that it is God calling to him, Exodus 3, 4. It is undeniable that Hagar and Moses are encountering the same person in each of their respective experiences. Both are getting a glimpse of the overlapping of heaven and earth in the revelation of our creator as the angel of the Lord. And we, we should further say right there that it is the angel of the Lord that came to Abraham when he was going to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah. That was that was who came to uh, Abraham to say, hey, hey, here I am. Hold tight before yeah. you do that. Hold up, buddy. I have an actual sacrifice over here that's caught in the thicket. You might want to go grab him real quick before he gets away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. so it, it is it, it is a thing where you see and, and I can't argue with with that uh, that assessment that obviously this is the same. Uh, we want to call it entity individual. Mm -hmm. uh, they're encountering the same one. Right. It's exactly. uh, it's seen. I think uh, the blue letter says in the <laughs> Bible, it is seen. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I had it pulled up here. Seventy nine times. Only 79 times? God must not you, mean it. Uh, <laughs> you also got to think, is, and I don't know this for a fact. I was planning on looking it up, and then I got sidetracked, but I think it's only in the Old Testament, too. Really? I don't think you see the angel of the Lord referenced in the New Testament, but hold on. I'm about to, to double-check myself, because I meant think to. think about it? The angel of the Lord is basically God speaking, right? Right, and he had Jesus there. And so Jesus, God himself, is on earth, and so he doesn't need the angel of the Lord speaking. He can speak for himself. <laughs> no, it is. I'm wrong. Oh, it is mentioned in uh, in pretty much all the way through the Bible. Oh, dang. All the way to Revelation, where the last time you see it is uh, Revelation 22.6. That's pretty close to the end. Pretty close uh, to the end. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord God of the spirit of the prophets sent and his angel, his angel, mm -hmm. his angel, angel of the Lord. Yep. To show his servants what will soon take place. Right. Okay. Cool. So mighty and powerful. Yeah. Okay. But these are not isolated accounts, and they will not be the last we see of the angel of the Lord. Moses and all of Israel will soon discover in the wilderness that they have not been abandoned by their God. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Exodus 13, 21. It is impossible to read this account of the fiery presence of the Lord and not call to mind the echoes of the angel of the Lord passages. Passages. But what theological significance can be made from the appearances of the angel of the Lord? And are there you know, contemporary applications that can be drawn from these particular mysterious passages? Uh, and that's a really good question. So what theological significance can be made from the appearance of the angel of the Lord? And are there contemporary applications that can be drawn from these? Um, I think that there definitely can be. And I think I just mentioned all of them. You know, it's... it's or at least a, a number of them that we can see. Right, right, right. And... You know, it's 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 God talking, and as far as uh, contemporary applications or um, 
I don't know, whenever I think contemporary applications, I'm not sure if that's the exact definition of the word, but I think like a modern application. Like, right. what can I do tomorrow? You know? I think I, I think that's a good representation of the term. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's what they're really saying here mm-hmm. as, you know, as they bullet pointed it with a question. And so you know. just like I said before, a contemporary application, we have the literal word of God in a book. That is the word of the God, the angel of the Lord has spoken. <laughs> if you want to consider times. that it's, te- it's contemporary considering what they exactly. had originally, you know, it's tablets exactly, scribbling. Yeah. Uh, we have a incredible, powerful source here. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll be the first to say that I do not take, you know, I mean, I don't use it near as much as I should. I mean, think about it. It's God talking to us through this book, the Bible, you know, and Forgive me if I say you know too many times. I actually just talked about that the other day. And uh, somebody who listens to the podcast fairly often uh, was talking to me and was like, do you remember that episode? I forget how far ago it was or how long ago it was. But you said that you were listening to the previous episode and realize how many times that you said, you know, you know, you know, you know. And it hasn't you know. changed. It really has. It hasn't changed. It's changed a little bit. I think I say it a little bit less frequently. I hope I say it a little bit when less you, frequently. I've noticed you catch yourself and you're like, ah, I'm not going to say, you know. Right, right. Or maybe I will say, you know, and just, you know, that'll be like on our T-shirt, you know. Um, that needs to be, that needs to be like a Texans take T-shirt right, right there, you know. You know, uh sip on your Texans take mug, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I was like, ah, yeah. I do, don't I, I? I remember that. Yeah, and I actually, the next episode, I apologize. I was like, ah, yeah, I just, uh, I just listened to the last episode. and I want to apologize for saying, you know, so freaking many times. And I apologize right now. So anyway, moving on. Uh, Oh, there's no moving on. There is moving on, but we will be taking a break right here. And ladies and gentlemen, we will be be right right back. back. All right, we are back. We are indeed back, ladies and gentlemen. And we are enjoying cigars. Yes, yes, indeed. Something that we enjoy actually quite often compared to what we used to now that we changed the the podcast studio yeah to a new location that uh, offered us a little more opportunity to smoke cigars it's very pleasant very pleasant indeed okay there is a word which we often use to describe the exalted nature of god it is the word transcendence This word simply means that our creator and king is higher in every way to everything every day. This is the idea that resounds through the Psalms in such acclamations as, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name almost high. And he built his sanctuary like the high heavens. The psalmist psalmist not only grasps the transcendence of God, better than anyone, but the Psalter, as a collection, becomes a declaration for the lofty nature of God in proclamations such as, The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? 
Psalms 113.45. The Transcendence of the Lord passages remind us that creation consists of two separate dimensions of heaven and earth that originally were created as one complete world, but succumbed to a tragic demise at the time of man's rebellion. This rupture will be welded together at the coming of our king, but for now, its restoration is merely foreshadowed by the episodic breaking in uh, by the episodic breaking in of God's glory. These are the moments when the unapproachable God steps from his space in our physical dimension to pursue us and to recalibrate our clouded earthly eyes so that we might glimpse his majesty if only for a moment. The angel of the Lord, in essence, provides a small window through which we peer through uh, from this world to see the glory that awaits us in the world to come. In the New Testament, there are no explicit references to the angel of the Lord, though there are many references to uh, references, references in general to an angel of the Lord. But just because this presence... Okay, so that was, that was actually what I was saying. Yeah. And that's where you do see all of the... Actually, I was, I was meaning to bring that up. All of the the verses that you do see where it talks about the angel of the Lord, it's an angel of the Lord. It is. Which, just like that verse in Revelations, it does actually specifically say an angel of the Lord, which is a little bit different than the angel of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, uh, let's say, but because the presence is not announced in the name in the same manner as the Old Testament, it does not. It does not mean that he is not just as near as he is ever been. One day, Jesus instructed Peter, James, and John to accompany him on a hike <coughs> up a mountain, which is reminiscent of Moses's own trek up Mount Sinai to meet with God. Upon reaching the pinnacle of the mountain, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Now, mind you, that's the same thats the same image they give as in Daniel when the angel comes to him. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I really, Dan... No, I was just going to say, I really love the New Testament. Uh, I really love the King James Version. Uh, when it talks about this... Um, it says, bah, 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 transfigured before them and his clothes became glistening. It's not a word that I'd ever heard. In fact, it wasn't glistening. It was glistering. His robes were glistering. And I was like, man, that's a descriptive word. Uh, I never heard glistering before. Uh, but I think radiant is a good word. But glistering is like, whoa, that must have been a shiny, shiny. What were you going to say? Well, I am, I'm in the process of trying to find it right now, but that's kind of, that is the image, just weird as it is, that's the image they give of Daniel. When the angel of the, it, it's, it doesn't refer to him as the angel of the Lord, it just says an angel came to him with a message, which uh, we'll, we'll go into this deeper, because we have, a, we have actually a series planned on this for angels in the Bible but uh, just to touch on that, we do see specifically that when it talks about uh, Daniel and the angel that comes to him saying, hey, I've been withheld 21 days, uh, the message, you, you know, everything you asked for, it's been given to you, but I've been battling the princes of Persia. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it's a good it's a good verse to remember that, you know, 
just because you have a uh, you know question of God, you know something that you've prayed about, and it doesn't happen instantly, you know that matter was still heard by God, and the answer was on its way. Yeah. But and we'll and we'll go into that deeper uh, in our in our section of angels in the Bible. But uh, specifically, it does talk about this white orb type angel that was uh, brought to Daniel to give that message. Now, as what most of and this separates, and that's why I was saying it's it's interesting that that is the reference that is given because there is a separation there where a lot of you know theologians, in fact. I've yet to see one that differs in this opinion. Uh, having done a lot of you know research on this, um, most people assume that Gabriel is the one that came to Daniel that day um, because he is the only one that has ever seen in the Bible actually bringing a message to someone, uh, just like he did with uh, with you know Joseph and Mary uh, bringing that message of Christ. But it does, you know, talk about, and that's what I was actually trying. If you'll give me just a minute, I'll look it up. <coughs> I was uh, caught off guard here. It was just, it, it was like one of those things, like, you know, it's in the Bible, but you don't know where kind of things like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's a story of my life. <laughs> I know, I can always think about these things that happened and how it was described, but it's like, ah! Let's see. All right. And it says, I saw, and this is, uh, this is actually Daniel 10, 4. Uh, on the 40, on the, uh, my brain wasn't working with my mouth at that moment. Uh, on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the great Tigris River when I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen and he had a belt made of gold from Ufaz around his waist. His body was like barrel and his face looked like lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches and his legs looked like polished bronze. When he spoke, his voice sounded like the roar of a crowd. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men who didn't see the vision yet started to tremble violently, and they quickly hid themselves. So I was left alone to see his grand vision, and I had no strength left in me, and my face turned deathly pale. As I was helpless, I heard the man speak, and I listened to his words, and I fainted face down on the ground. Now, I don't know what version this is. It actually doesn't say, oddly enough. But in the version I have read previously, it talks about him being dressed in white, which is where I gathered that from. I would have to do a little more digging to find out what version that was. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there are different versions that you know, interpret things a little bit. I mean, <laughs> me, I have right there on the shelf, I have seven versions of the Bible. Right. So right. <clears throat> obviously I, I do look at, at all of them when I'm uh, coming to with this, but I, I used Captain Google for that one. But uh, 
It does in, in the other versions talk of a man clothed in white, which kind of goes back to what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once again, in the person of Jesus Christ, the window is cracked open and the light of heaven breaks in as the two dimensions are rejoined, if only for a moment. This is not the first time the triune God has pierced the darkness and drawn near to broken humanity, and it will not be the last. Like a 45-second movie trailer that only whets the appetite for the full-length version, the appearances of the angel of the Lord point to the greater glories yet to come when the new heavens and earth will be renewed and make one and made one once again. And Christ himself will tabernacle among us in John 1.14 in all of his glory. The appearances of the angel of the Lord or the, manifest, the manifestations of God himself condescending to come to us and inviting us to experience a foretaste of the world that awaits us at his coming. Like Hagar in her isolation and Moses who carried the weight of deliverance on his shoulders, our faith and hope can be renewed as we encounter the living God as he comes to us in the broken in our broken world. The appearance of the angel of the Lord signaled that God would one day come in all of his glory and make all things new. God with us in Isaiah 4.17, has been the Creator's intention from Eden, and one day what privileged human's eyes have only seen on occasion will break forth in permanent eternal destiny. Wow. And again, this is, we're reading from Christianity.com, and it That's appears right. the man that wrote this article, it does give a little tidbit about him, it's Rick Kirby. So we'll go These ahead and give him a, him a shout-out here. not Ours. And we want that to be perfect. Yeah, clear. this is this is straight from uh, the article that he he had listed in Christianity.com. Um, and I mean, <laughs> every bit of it is very good information. This is this is something that I, I almost I, I don't disagree with anything he says, honestly. Sorry, I'm blowing O-rings here. <laughs> no, I noticed that. You were you were uh, over here in cigar heaven. I am, I am. This is a wonderful cigar, by the way. So this is uh this is actually a cigar. Eastwood. Yeah, so it's East called Eastwood, just like Clint Eastwood. This so that's what he what modeled the cigar after. Wow. He actually he hand rolls those cigars. Those are considered the Eastwood. Now, uh humorously enough, the the cigar that my dad holds favorite is the one that we had right before the wedding that I gave each one of the groomsmen. Um, that was an amazing cigar, I will say. Um, Dad actually reached out to the gentleman that makes, he hand rolls these cigars, and Dad tried to get him to create uh, the same in the torpedo, is what they call that, and the one yeah. that we had uh, for the wedding. Uh, he wanted him to to roll an Eastwood because this is what my dad prefers to smoke mm -hmm. um, in the same tobacco that he rolls the uh, the torpedoes in. And he obviously said, you know, this is something that I have exclusive to each each type of cigar. So I can't do that. But but this is definitely this is one of the better cigars that he has on his. Uh, and, and what's the brand? He has, I, I forget what the actual, what his actual branding is. All it says on this label is Eastwood. 
I'll have to, it's a, we'll, I'll touch on that next episode, find out exactly what it is. Because he does have a, he does have a, I think it's out of New Bronzeville, Texas, is where his, uh, yeah, uh, either that or Brazos County. I think he has a spot in both, both locations, but I mean, he hand rolls all his cigars. So they're all, they're all custom. I highly recommend. It's very good. (laughs) It's, I've, I've yet to have one of his cigars. His dad sends me his cigars on occasion, like, hey, try this out, because he knows I, I smoke cigars pretty frequently. And he's yeah. like, yeah, you know, tell me what you think. And I've yet to have one where I went, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just hasn't happened. So, um, but going back to the angel of the Lord, <laughs> not to say the angel of the Lord wouldn't like a cigar every now and then. I mean, he might. You never know. <laughs> You keep alcohol for our. I mean, I mean, uh, I, I had a joke once upon a time, and I always thought it was really funny. You know, you, uh, I had a. It was actually a colleague of mine. He he looked at me one day and he said, "Hey, you know," he said, "Have you ever thought about your guardian angel?" I said, "Not really." And he said, "Well, I guarantee you, mine's smoking crack up in heaven, going, God, give me another one." Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, well, I mean, as many times as God is, uh, has protected me from something that, uh, uh, could have easily ended me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mine might be doing the same thing. <laughs> in a, so, in a joking, non-joking way, but I mean, right, right. it's, <laughs> I mean, the idea of it, obviously we're completely in jest, but it is funny. It is funny, yes. I mean, because, I mean, how many times has, has the Lord actually, you know, say, I've been in numerous car accidents, and honestly, n- none of them have been my fault, and it's just like, somehow, I always walk out unscathed. And That's impressive. The last one I had, I actually had, it was actually your Uncle Neil, who we had on the podcast last time. Uh, it was last week, you know. Uh, his words to me last time, he actually picked me up last time I had a car accident. And, uh, he's obviously my chiropractor too. So he picked me up to go do some work on me and he said, Hey, you know, he said, obviously you have a, you have a little, a little marker on your back for these things. But at the end of the day, God has you going, he has your back. And honestly, that's all you need to say at this point. He's got a greater plan for you. And I'm like, "Eh, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who should have died a long time ago. Not, I, frankly, I give that 100 to God. You are one of them, Brig. Oh my goodness. God, God has me for a better purpose. You know, and... when you've survived that many times, it's just like, you know what? Somebody uh, up there likes you, or at least has bigger purpose <laughs> for you. <laughs> and and it's like I've said. I said, you know, one one of the accidents I've been in could have been considered half my fault. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the rest of the accidents I had, they were just, they were literally somebody hit me. It was wrong place, wrong time. And I'm going, ah, well, somebody has better plans for me. And it's today is not my day. Yeah. So, um, this is from the blue letter Bible, which is one of the apps that it is I our, it is our best tool. Really? You and I time. both. In fact, I, you know, um, uh, 
I love to open up a Bible and read the actual pages. But what I actually do more than that is I just use the Blue Letter app on my phone. Um, it's my phone is generally always with me, you know, so I can stay in communication at work and stuff like that. Um, and so if I've got a great shout out to the creators of blue letter Bible, cause we use it literally every time we do a podcast, you and I, but uh, that, that like I stated, I, I have seven copies of Bibles over there. You and I, I mean, right, we, right. we read from, uh, the duck commander, um, yeah. You know, King well, New got, King James. You know, a, a most of the time, a concordance is a um, a book that they they used to have that would go with the Bible, and it's something that monks have put together over. Well, it's know, it's centuries. actually it's a commentary. Well, well, well. What I was going to say is, um, well, the concordance goes with the commentaries; they mm-hmm. go hand in hand, and a lot of time originally, the concordance was something that they used in the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, a, a place keeping. This is, you know, a tidbit about this and a tidbit about that. And along along the road, we ended up adapting commentaries. Yeah. Well, uh, here on Wikipedia, it says a Bible concordance is a is a concordance. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you, or verbal index <laughs> to the Bible. A simple form lists uh biblical words it's like an index alphabetically yeah uh indications to enable the inquirer to find passages of the bible where the word occurs so you know basically a giant index it's a giant index if you look for in these monks over however many years eventually people like martin luther people like martin luther you know they read the bible from beginning to end and listed every single verse where the word in occurs. And they did that in, for every in single... Occurs. Yes, yes. They did that for every single word in the Bible. Come on, do that in Scottish. And so... And chorus. Scottish. Yeah, do that. Do it, do it, do it. What do you want me to say? What you just said. So they take every single word in the Bible, and, uh, and they make this concordance... Where every single word occurs, and so you know it's it's an incredible feat uh, to be able. I mean, the book is probably way bigger than the Bible is. Just we'll go out to Australian, but I don't have that. You have every single word in the Bible plus the verse where it's found, and so a concordance is generally twice as thick as the Bible is. It's incredibly thick. It's a big book, and you know it's it's basically just like a uh, you know. Anytime I want to see where a certain word occurs in the Bible, I can just look in this concordance. That word appears, and I'll just look in there, and it's like, oh, well, there's, you know, 70 verses where it mentions the word something. And they might even go as far as to say, like, uh, maybe verses too, like the Spirit of the Lord or uh, the uh, Angel of the Lord. And uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I tried to do a Sean Connery voice, and uh, Brave was just like, do it, do it, do it. And so... And show I was like tried. <laughs> I mean, are y'all listening to this guy? This is like literally thirty-year-old Sean Connery right here. And so I was telling everybody, you know, uh, uh, this concordance is a it's a very important, a very powerful thing, you know. And I had a I had a book that fell on my head, and I can only blame myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll just say, I, 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 I got Australian, but I'm gonna say uh, you you straight up nailed. There's no way I could touch that. I got I got Australian, and I can I can you go all day like that. But 
I can't do that. Yeah. And you so know? anyway, the blue letter Bible is so powerful because because it has all those concordances. Think about it. All you have to do is type in a word and it'll show me every single verse. Boom, it does. Like, like I, I, it I typed up. in the phrase angel of the Lord. Yeah. Now, what it did is it took all of those where the angel and the Lord verses were. Those wordings were in the same verse and it came up with 79 of them. Yeah. And it'll, it'll find all of them and together in the whole in Bible. Sentence, and then it'll like. Well, no, know, it does it in the same verse. In the same verse. Yeah. Yeah. So it does yeah. everything. Because like the one I read in Revelations, mm -hmm. it wasn't the same sentence. It was just the same verse. The oh, angel that. and the Lord were in yeah, the same yeah. verse. So you have all that together. And but what it did was it took that. And it actually referenced what we were referencing. Like we were referencing the angel of the Lord. So it took that in the context of that. Mm -hmm. Because it, like if you look at, uh, I'll go back and read it again. Because actually it's it's really, it's, it's almost wild how it, yeah. it pulls this stuff out. But if you go, like I looked up angel of the Lord. And Revelations 22, 6 is, And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of all spirits, of prophets, has sent an angel to show you the servants of what must take place. Now that right there, it combined all the words literally that I, but that that even still is impressive. It's like you're taking all, and I had a, what was it? Yeah, five words? Yeah, yeah. So very it's a very useful tool. It's very useful. And so, anyway, I just looked on Google for Angel of the Lord stuff, and it gave me this nice little thing that's posted on the Blue Letter uh, Blue Letter Bible dot uh, org. And this guy Don Stewart, who is the Angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, has put together this uh, this list in in blue letter. And so, uh, Don Stewart—that's S T E W A R T—you get the credit for this, but. It's a really nice. Uh, it gives Wait, was it what? Did you say Don Stewart? Yeah, yeah. So Stewart. What? Did you just give yourself credit for that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Don I'm sorry, Stewart. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like I like said, Dom Stewart. <laughs> S T E W A R T. I'm sorry. I was waiting not for you to like. Not S T U A R T. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he puts together um, a lot of the. Uh, looks like every occurrence of the angel of the Lord and its context. Now so, that's that. Where is this now? I'm going to look it up. This is on the blue letter Bible. So all I typed in, well, actually just look up blue letter Bible.org slash fact slash Don Stewart slash Don Stewart uh, underscore 26 dot CFM. Is that up, all? Just look up the angel of the Lord on Google and I'm sure that blue letter will show it up. But anyway, uh, it says uh, three possibilities. The three major views have been put forth as to the exact identical identity of the angel of the Lord. One, a mighty angel who acted as the special representative of the Lord. Mm. Two, God the Father assuming a human body. Ah. Three, God the Son taking a body for a short period of time. Uh, so anyway, to Hagar, we already read that. I'm not going to read it again. Uh, so you hopefully remember all that uh, to Abraham and Sarah at Mamre 
Three men appeared to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, at the plains of Mamre. So just for the record, yeah, that does show up when you put it in Google. Nice. Uh, Don nice. Stewart. And it is S-T-E-W-E-R-T. Yeah. Uh, A-R-T? Probably A-R-T. A-R-T. Yeah. Did I say E-R-T? Gosh. Uh, I'm sorry. That's what bloopers that's what are for. Spell my name. As, <laughs> that's so that's what is. bloopers are for, that's and right. we don't have them here. This we is all we raw. Have, we are we are the the crystal clear, the cut footage. I was and the bloopers all together. <laughs> that was actually something uh, w- when we started the podcast. I was very against. I was like, ah, uh, it needs to be like what it is. It is because at the end of the day, this is, is this is who we are. There's. Yeah. Uh, there's no need to cut and uh, and nitpick. You know, this yeah. is this is what we have for our our listeners. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, ERT and all. Yep. So uh, <laughs> three men appeared to Abraham and his wife Sarah at the plains of Mamre. They had come to inform Abraham and Sarah concerning two matters: the son that God had promised them would be born to Abraham and Sarah the next year, and the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah would be destroyed. One of the three visitors who gave them this information is specifically called the Lord. And this is from Genesis 18.1. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, and he said uh, at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. And he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Uh, next, to Abraham on Mount Moriah, God told Abraham... Which, uh, side note, my sister... Is named, named Mariah. Mariah. Yes, I was literally actually after th- that is so. You know what? If she we're gonna have a total side note here because uh, everyone spells my sister's name M A R Mariah. Yeah, which is which is actually the common spelling. Mm-hmm. But that was actually something that mom and dad uh, thought about early and decided no, 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 no. Yeah. This is. This is going to be straight out of the Bible. <laughs> She's the only one of us that have a straight out of the Bible name. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't remember a Saint Brig or Saint Shay. Or there's anything. not a Saint. Yeah, there's the, the the closest thing I can say to like awesomeness is Shay's middle name is Aubrey. Yeah, and it's like Aubrey, buys the salt. <laughs> that is all I got for that. But at the end of the day, uh, Mount Moriah. It's very, in fact, we've covered it before. Mm-hmm. It is a, as what, uh, you know, Bill would say, it's a very important point. Yes. You know, it's a very important placehold yeah. for the Bible because you always come back to it. Yeah. There is something special there that God has, and we could even say it's a shadowing of Christ because yeah. important things have happened at Mount Moriah. Very, very important things. And so uh, I will be disappointed if your sister Mariah does not eventually end up on a mountaintop in some home, and then they can call that Mount Mariah. Oh, wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? Uh, so it'd be God, uh, it'd be hard uh, to get her to leave Texas. Honestly, they have hills in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this is my hill, That's Hill right. Mariah, Stub of Mariah. Yeah, the, the Stub of Mariah. <laughs> Well, uh, when, ago, when she listens at... to this, she's gonna have a she's gonna have a phone call to me. Yeah, stop yeah. Mariah. What are you talking about? Yeah, we had a uh, a summer camp that a summer camp that we went to several years ago. It was at the Three Mountain Retreat, and we were uh, on their their horse trail. We were on horses. Oh know, yeah, walking yeah. Walking around is really fun. And uh, uh, anyway, the guy that was leading it, one of the sons that uh, 
owned the uh, the property in the summer camp. He is says, it the same? What was his name? I, remember. I, I forget his name. I remember the youngest son's name is David. David. No, what, it's not I David. I, I remember the. I remember one. what the older son. I don't. Remember I can't the remember his name. name. He was a great guy. Though. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. He looked like he came right out right out of a western. He did. Show. He straight up looked like he walked out of like some Clint Eastwood movie. Exactly. Going, yeah. Howdy, yeah. y'all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, he uh, he was like, "Well, this right here is uh, what we call Mount Such and Such," and I was like, uh, "More like Hill Such and Such," and he was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, it's not like we can call this place Three Nub Retreat. <laughs> it's like Three Mountain Retreat sounds better. I was like, yeah, fair point. But I do like Three <laughs> Nub Retreat. <laughs> and so anyway, yeah, they have nubs in Texas. Can you imagine that? Well three three Nub Retreat? Three Nub Retreat. <laughs> it sounds like a triple amputee. <laughs> oh, um, that hurt. We are, are back. back. Okay, so uh, Moses and the Burning Bush. Pretty sure that I haven't mentioned that one yet. So God promised to send his angel ahead of the children of Israel. I'm going to send an angel in front of you to guard you on the way to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Be attentive to him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you listen attentively to his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. When my angel goes in front of you the, uh, and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will blot them out. Wow. The Israelites are told that they must obey his angel because the name of the Lord was in him. Since God would never share his name with any created being, this angel must be God himself. Isaiah the prophet wrote, Wow. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. Since God will not share his name or glory with anyone else, this angel must be God. Wow. So uh, it's interesting, you know, he says, I will, I will send my angel. Uh, when my angel goes in front of you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, fluff, 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 and I blot them out. And he uses, uh, I will, I will send my angel, I will, uh, his voice, uh, uh, let's see, he says, but if you listen attentively to, to his voice, to his voice, and do all that I say, uh, be attentive and listen to his voice, do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Uh, he's using his name and the angel interchangeably all the time. So regardless of whether the angel of the Lord is not the Lord himself, he has all the power and the authority of the Lord because he is in God's name. Now, what it's suggesting here is that when it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols, 
suggesting that when he says the angel of the Lord, that is God. I'm not sure why there's a distinction there. And um, what this guy, Don Stewart, is, is surmising is that uh, uh, he says the angel of the Lord in place of him because God does not tell his name to others. In fact, all uh, every time that we say the different names of God, Jehovah, Yahweh, um, Jesus, these are these names. They all mean they mean things. I believe Yahweh means God with us. Maybe that's Jehovah. I, I might have it wrong. And Jesus is a very, 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 very similar name in the Hebrew to the name Yeshua. Well, let's look it up. Let's look it or up. Or Joshua. And so um, and Joshua was a foreshadowing of Jesus. And so anyway, uh, what Don Stewart is suggesting here is that when God says the angel of the Lord and it uses his using the angel of the Lord interchangeable interchangeably with him suggesting that that is god and uh that's a you know it that would follow uh joshua an imposing personage a uh, personage an imposing personage appeared to joshua when joshua was by jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Having Joshua immediately remove his sandals reminds one of the Lord telling Moses to remove his sandals in God's presence at the burning bush. Um, so... Uh, <clears throat> <coughs> I'm so glad you let me speak. No, no uh, I was just looking at the name for Je oh, Jehovah. Rick was sorry. over there like, hey, hey. By hey. the I way, like, I, ha I, I, was have like, I was thinking like, are we not recording anymore? I'm not sure what to do here. <laughs> I was it's just like, waiting uh, for you to find it and finish this in the process. So yeah. go ahead. What did you find? Well played. Uh, so the name Jehovah... The most accurate translation is I am. I am. Which is like, what's your name? I, I am. am. Which honestly accurately goes to I am who I am. Right. That is exactly what God says. Tell them that I am sent you. I am who I am. Which if you think about it. Pretty accurately sums up send, God. If you send somebody in the name of, you know... Think about it. There's no what can God compare himself to? He can't. He can't compare himself to anybody. He is so far above everybody that it doesn't even make sense to even try. And so when he says, I am, there's no other God that is. There's no other person 
that is. And when he says I am, that literally means I, I have am it literally who I means am. it literally means I have always been and, and I will always will always be. will be or I will always be. Pre oh, I don't know. And is so, that simple to you? Was that? Is that simple to you? What? It's it's simple to me. Uh, I am who I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we see this, and it's kind of like uh, you see this in actually Moses and the burning bush, mm -hmm. as we were talking about yeah. earlier. You know, it's kind of like um, when you when you hear it said, it it, it seems foreign. Mm -hmm. But again, in the same aspect, when you hear it said, yeah, it also makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Does that does that compute? Yeah, that computes because it's just yeah. like it, it. It is foreign to us because we are very finite. Mm -hmm. We are limited. Yeah, but you have God who is infinite, not limited, mm -hmm. and He says, "I am who I am," and that right there, you know, should detest. All arguments in throw in the hat. That is what it is. I am who I am. I'm not going to be. And, and I think this really, uh, you know, goes, we, we could use it most accurately against Pharaoh. Yeah. yeah. Who was like, our magicians are better than you. Our people are better than you. We can do the same things you can do. Why are you God? And because like, I am who I am. I, I have always been. I always will be. And, you know, if you think you're better than that, keep playing the game. Yeah. Which is essentially what Pharaoh was doing. Yeah. You know, Pharaoh who had had uh, if if you're not like really in tune with like the Egyptian culture. And I, and I don't mean to stray far away from what we're talking about, but to understand what God is presenting to Pharaoh and the people with, I am who I am. You got to think the Pharaoh has convinced an entire people that he is the entire representation of God. He is God. And if he says something doesn't go, God says something doesn't go. So when Moses comes to God, with I am who I am has sent me the great I am <laughs> that poses a big problem for Pharaoh. He's essentially getting trampled in his it's it, it's like a football game. OK, no, no, like uh, actual presenting team likes to lose a game on their own field, especially in the Super Bowl. You're looking at the Super Bowl of gods, and the great I am is presented against the Pharaoh, and he knows he's going to lose on his own ground. Mm -hmm. That right, that, that's essentially, if you want to look at it in like today's terms of what really the meaning of what's going on, I can present it in football terms because everybody watches football pretty much, except me. <laughs> I want I watch it just enough to know what's going on. Uh, I play fantasy football, so I have to keep up a little bit. <clears throat> but that's essentially what's going on. So you have the great I am, you know, God Almighty, presenting himself to Pharaoh. <laughs> he doesn't like it, I promise you.
because pharaohs taught an entire population of people, probably several generations. I, mm-hmm. I think you would agree. I would agree. Uh, the pharaoh, you know, the pharaoh that we see in the Bible, as far as what was raised with Moses and becomes in power, he is what we know as the sixth pharaoh. He and and that's as far back as we can trace. We don't we don't really know further than that, but we know he's at least the sixth pharaoh in power. And so right there, you're talking about six generations of people who have proclaimed themselves gods or quote unquote angels of God. (laughs) You could, you could really go as far to say that, you know, that they were the speaking tongue of God. And so you have someone like Moses that comes along and says, I am has sent me to tell you that you're not God. Mm hmm. That right there, that's a moment. Yeah. And that's a moment that is like one of those, everyone is now quaking in their boots because they don't know. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, at this point, you know, he's shaking an entire rebellion of people who have thought that Pharaoh was God. And so, I don't know, you have to take that so every time you see, you know, the angel of the Lord, you have to kind of, I guess you would take mighty mm-hmm. as a good word. You have to take the mightiness of God in perspective, even down to revelations and the verse that I talked about earlier, where it says, you know, it doesn't necessarily say the angel of the Lord, but it says the Lord and an angel who's who he was sent by, you know, yeah. but in specifically the angel of the Lord, I think that, as we talked about with Moses, Sarai, and Abraham. Yeah. It's all the same one. Absolutely. So there's two other... So I, I apologize for my monologue. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. It's wonderful. We're, uh, you know, I, that, that just, that, that hits me very close because I think, you know, when you have people in the Bible who Abraham was disconnected from the pharaohs, but mm-hmm. you have great leaders in the Bible, like you have Moses... You have Joseph. Joseph served under a pharaoh. Yeah. Even after Moses, you got to think the pharaohs. Joseph, Joseph spoke for the pharaoh. Joseph spoke. He was, he was the voice of the pharaoh when the pharaoh didn't speak. Yeah, yeah, and you and and you got to think, guys. This is this is after Moses. This is long after Moses. Moses has said his goodbyes to this world. And the pharaohs have still proclaimed themselves gods of the world. What they say, and see that—that's where you see. It's funny that you that, that you bring that specific thought up because mm. I, I hadn't really thought of this until just now. So this is new, fresh to the Texans. Take here, yeah. You know, you have Moses, who kind of really stood in the way of all the pharaohs, you know, workings. And his whole goal was, I'm going to set my people free from you. Yep. You know, and then, and then, you know, a couple of generations really removed, you have Joseph. Right. And who does Joseph get enslaved by? The Pharaoh's court. Yep. So you have Joseph, who's now enslaved by the Pharaoh's court, but still does works by the great I am. And then all of a sudden, and see, this is something I've never, th- this is fresh thought. I'm, mm-hmm. I am a hundred percent serious. This is something I've never thought about until just now. And that's why I'm saying this, this, 
this conversation is good to have because you have Joseph who's now enslaved by the Pharaoh's court. Mm -hmm. Now the Pharaohs have always been, you know, God of the land. Mm -hmm. They are the, I am for their people. And then you have this one Pharaoh who hears the dreams that Joseph can interpret and is quaking in his boots. Mm -hmm. And you want to know, I think that is truthfully, if you want to go, if you want to go back to, you know, it's, it's probably not like new news to the Pharaohs that a Pharaoh was completely brought to his knees by this God. It's, it's probably not new news. The Pharaoh that Joseph serves is probably a generation and a half removed from the Pharaoh that, you know, Moses brought to his knees. Yeah. It's still fresh in their mind. They're still scared of this God that brought everything to a halt and said, we're not going to have it. That right there is a thought. This Pharaoh that Joseph serves is afraid. He's afraid of this God that has brought everything to its knees once before. And it wouldn't be hard to do it again. Yeah. And so he single-handedly says, ah, you know what? Your God knows what's up. (laughs) Uh, We're going to put you in charge. Uh, whatever your God says, you tell to me, and I'm just going to let you tell to the people. Let you tell it to the people. Yeah, that seems that's and it's it's a fear thing, and that's where honestly, in a in a quote unquote joking, not joking way, mm-hmm. that's the fear of the Lord. Yeah, that was the fear of the Lord and that Pharaoh. It really was saying, you know what? I know what you're capable of. I know what your God. The great I am is capable of. You've got a lot of people who feared the Lord. Can you imagine uh, that? Who weren't thought? even, you know, followers of, you know, Jehovah or Christian. No, at not at all. They were just like, we've seen what your God does. And we don't we, want to be in the way. We don't want to be in the way of that. You know, my goodness, no. Um, well, hey, um, We've got two more verses here that talk about the spirit, uh, the angel of the Lord. I keep wanting to say the spirit of the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord. Um, and I, th- I think that's honestly New Testament, Old Testament kind of kind of trifle is we think of it as the spirit of the Lord. But in the Old Testament, it's kind of like it, it is the I think that's in most theologians kind of think the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is that is the the visual interpretation of what we know is that spirit of the Lord working in you trying to yeah. i think it's it's an honest Probably good reason synonymous yeah yeah and so we've got two more verses here about that but uh i think we are running low on time so i'm just going to read these and then we'll end with that uh so then gideon perceived that it was the angel of the lord and gideon said help me lord god for i have seen the angel of the lord face to face but the lord said to him peace be to you do not fear you shall not die so that's another instance of the angel of the Lord, which in, in this case, um, I honestly wonder if it was an angel. It says the angel of the Lord, meaning the same angel of the Lord. But in this case, I wonder if it's an actual angel and not the Lord himself, just right. because no man can look on the, on, on God's face and live. Right. Uh, and so here Gideon saying, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but the Lord said to him, peace, you, sh- you know, don't fear, you won't die, you know. 
Um, and lastly, the angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. Anyway, those are the last two the last two verses that we have here on the angel of the Lord. And uh, we've, uh, I think we've covered this pretty well. We've at least given you all of the Bible verses on this. Uh, we don't have a theologian's take of this. Um, ex- well, no, we did actually have, uh, I don't think that um, uh, Rick Kirby would consider himself a theologian, but he definitely wrote about this subject. And we read that earlier. Pretty in depth. I would yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyhow, well, we're going to go ahead and end with that. We hope that this has enlightened you, and uh, we will see y'all next time. So, adios. adios.